I take a lot of pride in, you know, the team trusts me to be out there. I'm the first person to touch the ball, kick return, power return, getting the chance to score a touchdown. So it's something I take a lot of pride in. Uh, just being able to watch Adam go to work every day, being able to ask him questions. We have a, a fantastic coach. Um, so like I said, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm getting better every day for sure. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 60, a frustrated episode, a looking forward to indie episode. Joining me in studio, as always, in the virtual studio from Vikings.com, Chris Corso and Jay Nelson. Uh, you know, Thursday, Thursday is where that's when the calendar turns for these guys. They're looking forward to the next week. Uh, we are not players, so I am going to focus a little bit on last week without trying to fall off a cliff because I'm far too emotionally invested in this team. Uh, and then we will jump forward to Phillip Rivers, Xavier Rhodes, and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, it, it'll be hard to say anything, guys, that hasn't already been said uh, by the team and the coaches and the internet, but let's get into it the vikings lose week one home opener empty stadium home opener to the green bay packers 43 34 uh handful of let's call them eye-opening statistics and it this is the, it is the job of you chris corso and jay nelson to steer me positive because i am i'm in bummersville that's who i am as a man i can't you know how they say some guys are, some players are emotional they wear their emotions on their sleeves that's me I cut the sleeves off and I wear my emotions right on my tiny biceps. I could not believe the time of possession battle. I, and I should, I should say that my, my, my strongest belief about this game was it was this perfect storm of negative circumstances all swirled into a moment that created the final result. Uh, but I think we need to start with time of possession. Since they started keeping that statistic – 1977 this is the vikings worst time of possession the packers go for 41 and 16 the vikings just eight minute excuse me 18 minutes and 44 seconds chris corso it's amazing if you want to be positive that they scored 34 points in 18 minutes that's i mean look that's... at him spin it look <laughs> at that's that's who i came here to see today that's what i was doing for you i'm starting you out hot with some positivity it's thursday we're looking forward to next week but damn 18 minutes i mean the entire second quarter uh to go on the negative side was embarrassing uh for the vikings defense i think they'll tell you that themselves of what Aaron Rodgers was doing there well and i'll tell you you know part of that statistic plays into i, I think to me, what it looked like the Green Bay Packers came into this game to do was put that defense on the field, make them work, push the game along, get them tired, and expose their young players. That, that to me, makes sense as a game plan. And it just so happened that with the safety and the interception that it just turned in this way where if you didn't come out at the beginning of the second half and have a strong, lengthy possession – the avalanche could start. 
So th this game, when you look at the first half, even though Kirk only had five passing attempts or whatever it was, and we weren't on the field at all, there was still a tipping point after the first half. Had we come out and put a drive together, but once we didn't, and that defense had to get right back on the field, like I said, it just it just became an avalanche that you couldn't stop, Jay. And by the time it got to the bottom of the hill, it was this historic snowball that we're looking at on the screen. Yeah, given what we had talked about last week and my, my final comments where I want to see the offensive line be able to dominate and be able to push down the field, and I want the defensive line to be able to get a pass rush and get them off the field, it was completely you know opposite of what we had talked about. And I think given the fact that it is a historic low, it is a historic, what, 40, 43 years worth of uh, uh, data here that we're looking at. I mean, you, you look at it and say, okay, week one, aberration, and hopefully that is where we're at. Now, it, as long as it's a, it's, a, it's a mirage, not a trend, I think that's going to be okay. But it's one of those things, and Zim said it too, right after the game was over, like there's a lot of stuff they got to fix and they got to fix it fast. And, and, you know, you're going up against a Phillip Rivers here coming up in Indy too. That's not going to give you any kind of leeway. Phillip Rivers will throw – Phillip Rivers will throw the ball 180 times. Phillip that Rivers could have six interceptions and 70 pass attempts in the first half, and he'll walk out and go, guys, I think I'm going to throw about 70 more times. Like, he, he doesn't have that negative meter in his brain. He'll have a bad game, but it doesn't affect his next throw. He is going to sling. Yeah, Philip Rivers was a basketball player. I think he his his name would be J.R. Smith. I mean, the guy who just throws up shot after shot. Orso's got doesn't, positivity and jokes early on. Cross comparison sport jokes. Doesn't matter how many times he misses, he's still gonna throw it up. A few interceptions, week one against the Jaguars, which led to a loss. So that's how I would describe Philip Rivers. On my end, I was gonna say it's very much the uh, short-term memory loss is is very effective for Philip, where. He might throw a bad pass. He's going to go back out there, and if he thinks it's there again, he's going to sling it. So it's definitely something where Phillip is not afraid to go for it and make a mistake. And if he does, he's like, cool, we're going to do this again until I get it right. You know, come hell or high water, sometimes it gets him in trouble. But for the most part, you know, for Indy and for our team at this point too, we need to get to the that mentality of we're going to go for it, you know, no matter what the consequences are. Hopefully it's not going to be something that bites you in the butt. Well, and then the other, the other thing that I think was interesting, you know, you heard a lot of talk about the cornerbacks, but I, I thought what great, like I said, I think Green Bay started at the top of a hill and built a snowball and they were able to push it the right direction and it just built. You know, they came out and they ran jet sweeps and they, they went at the corners on the ground on the edges. And when you have, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to understand the X's and O's of football like some of the brilliant people in our building, but I know enough to know that when you do that early in a game with a couple of cornerbacks, a few cornerbacks who haven't seen a lot of NFL snaps, at the very least, it gets them thinking. And if you get them thinking on every snap about stuff like that, and then you have one of the handful of greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game of football sitting back there, and he's playing with a lead, that's a really difficult thing. You know, we hear, we hear defensive and head coaches talk always, you want to make a team one-dimensional. And I think for the cornerbacks, they probably spent a lot of that game a little uncertain given how the edges were attacked early. Absolutely. And I think the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers was the determining factor in this game. 
There was absolutely no pass rush for the Vikings. I cannot remember a time where the Vikings had that stagnant of a pass rush. Like David Bakhtiari, I think he might have been the most valuable player of the entire game because he was holding Yannicka Ngakwe. There was no pressure at all on Aaron Rodgers. And when you have young cornerbacks, I mean, that's what's going to happen against a Devontae Adams who clearly, like we said last week, you have to stop Devontae Adams. You have to stop him. He's killed us the past three times we've played them, and it was no different. I mean, 14 receptions. He was. It didn't matter if Holton Hill was covering him. It didn't matter if we had a shadow uh, safety helping out um, in a zone coverage. He was finding the holes in the Vikings defense. You know, so here's what I want to do to put this to bed, because we, we could spend a half an hour on this game and, and not really get anywhere. You know, it's the second most points Zimmer has allowed. It's the second most, you know, yards he's ever allowed in his career. You know, we could spend a, a bunch of time on a bunch of different things. To me, anytime something like – I remember the Rams game a couple seasons back. You know, anytime something like this happens – I'm going to bounce my eyes forward and see what the next week looks like because it's an outlier, you know, and until it becomes a trend, I'm not going to sit here and discuss it like it's a trend. Like Mike Zimmer said in the offseason, you know, and this is a quote that got circulated, uh, you know, sarcastically on Monday, he's never had a bad defense, but that's true. He hasn't. And so frustrating as a fan, frustrating for the team on the field, Let's see what happens in Indianapolis this week. If these numbers are duplicated, then let's start, you know, let's start sounding the alarm bells. But, but what I want to do is, and Chris, this, is, this, this will put your skill set into, uh, into a fun place. And Jay, you're going to help him too. I am going to, I pulled the biggest themes from the, from the Twitter during and after the game. I'm going to give you the biggest, the biggest frustrations and themes, and I'm going to let you tell me and the fans why not to be worried about them, okay? First one, and this is the one I think we all saw the most of, the play call that led to the safety, play action, deep drop in the end zone from your own three-yard line. People are pretty upset with the play call, Chris. Uh, I don't know who is going to point fingers where, but it was clearly a blown assignment, and Kirk was a lame duck. That That is what happened on that play, and it was a game-changing play. That's why these fans are, are very passionate about it. Well, and, and I will say, you know, and then now I'm going to be the positive spinner here, but that's given that – that's another one of those perfect storm situations. You know, you blow an assignment, it's a deep drop, a guy gets, and it also, you know, the other thing that I heard from somebody is, you know, that guy's freelancing a little bit. You have a, you have a cornerback that takes a guess and, and guesses run and keeps coming. You know, there were a lot of things that went into it. I can't imagine. It reminds me of, do you remember a couple years ago, early in the season, uh, when we ran the Wildcat a couple times, fumbled the ball, Dalvin, I think it was right around the time that game, I think Detroit, that Dalvin got hurt. The Wild, the Wildcat had a couple of really unsuccessful plays, and then we just didn't see it again. <laughs> this is this, this, I'm not saying we won't see the, the play action from the end zone again, but this reminds me of when I was a kid and I was playing high school basketball and I would blow a defensive assignment, and then I would have to look at it on film. I was like, that's probably not going to happen again next week, Cy. 
Part of it for me was it 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 was almost like watching a, a mirror image of what we are normally used to because that's the kind of play that Harrison Smith normally makes. And to see him, you know, spying off the edge and being able to run free like that, you knew as soon as you saw nobody back there, like, oh, man, this is going to go bad. And it was, it, like you said, it was a blown assignment. Coach said it was a blown assignment on Monday. There's definitely somebody who's supposed to be back there and being able to spy and give Kirk uh, some help, especially on his blind side. But, um, you know, for that, it was just an unfortunate time. And the the thing, the one positive I did take out of it was even though we gave up the two points and had to kick away, you know, they only held them to a field goal after that. So they, they got a grand total of five points out of it. But from that point forward, it was eight to seven Packers. And then once they were able to score again, that was when you were playing catch up the rest of the game. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration came from, too, was it was such a, a, a momentous point and we had scored the first touchdown, we had the lead, and then to have that happen and have it flip on you, I think that's why it was so tough to swallow just to watch that be the beginning of what the rest of the game turned into. Number two, Chris Corso. Sure, the Vikings scored a lot of points, but they really only scored seven when the game was uh, in its original form, if you will. A lot of their points, people feel like, came after Green Bay reverted into protecting their lead. And Kirk, my personal opinion here is he didn't have much opportunity, but he didn't look very comfortable in those early moments. Uh, it was funny. He, in that first drive, it was such a dichotomy. In that first drive, he, with the script, he stepped up, like he stepped up into the pocket and you went, oh boy, dagger, boom, go, let's do this. And then, you know, he looked uncomfortable for, for a little while. That was going to be my first comment. Last week I was like, this offense has to start fast. And they did. They, you saw him step up in the pocket, hit Thielen down, down uh, on a cross route down the field. You saw the running game get going. But then after that, like I said, the second quarter was just miserable for the Vikings offense. You end at halftime, and he has five attempts and like 52 yards. It was like he never got a chance to get going. There was no, there was no like rhythm. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't get a chance to get going after having such a successful first drive. And then, like you said, we're down a bunch of points, and here comes Kirk with passes down the field. Thielen's open. And you hear Adam Thielen talk today, and, and he says, yeah, you can look at my stats. I, they, they were great, but you got to look at the what was going on in the game. We were down a bunch of points. They were leaving us open until we were deep down the field. So Thielen's like, don't look at my stats this week. Let's look at my stats next week when, when we play a competitive game. So uh, the offense is, is trying to move on. I think there's just – Sai, this is my thing. I think there's too many talented players on this Vikings offense to put up a showing like that in the first half. There there are too many weapons. Yeah, there's too many weapons, and I think that is the most disappointing part. You know, you've heard a lot of people speculate all week, too, saying, well, what would have happened if we would have had preseason games, if they would have been able to work out some of these kinks? The honest answer is we didn't have the time, but that shouldn't matter at this point because the Packers walked off the bus and played the game, too. So it's hard when we have a younger squad and trying to get them some some experience, get them some playing time, and to be honest with you, I think all of those young guys playing in a game like this got a healthy helping of uh, what the NFL experience is really going to be like. And there really is, there's no time to waste here. They've got to get ready for Indy coming up this week. And speaking of young players, we didn't see much of the young receivers and new receivers on the team. So Chris, uh, here's the last one we're going to do. The Vikings missed 
Stefan Diggs, true or false? Yes, I mean, anytime you lose the team's leading touchdown catcher and wide receiver last year while Adam Thielen was out, you're going to say you probably miss him. But like I said before, the, the Vikings offense never hit its stride. You never got to see some of these younger wide receivers get involved. Justin Jefferson has one catch, and he never really gets going in his first career NFL game. Tajay Sharp gets missed on a deep ball. So I like the depth of this wide receiver crew. You're going to hear from one later on. I like Irv Smith Jr., who didn't get a chance in this game. So once these opportunities start happening for these younger wide receivers, I I think we're going to be all right. Okay, that's enough. I don't want to talk about I agree with you. I think uh, you, everybody knows I'm a big Stefan Diggs fan. Everybody knows that I loved the haul we got for him. I think it was – I'm happy for him in Buffalo, happy what we got back. I think given the way this game unfolded, it's a little insane to jump on that bandwagon at this point. Uh, I want to see what Justin Jefferson can do when we actually can do some things and you don't have an 18-minute time of possession. Download Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app to watch all of your favorite Vikings programming on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Search Vikings Now with any compatible device to begin watching videos. Watch full episodes of TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected, plus digital programming like The Voyage. Also watch game highlights, player and coach press conferences, and much more. It's vikings.com slash ctv for info talk about the game anymore and we did it i told you guys i would do it i feel like i acted like an adult and did my job and now i would like to move on to the indianapolis colts a surprise loss against the jacksonville jaguars uh i did not see that coming at all and we'll actually be walking into a building with fans next week right 2,500 fans is what they expect at Lucas Oil Stadium. 2,500, that's the number? That is the number that, that they're allowed to, to have in the state of Indiana. Interesting. It'll be, it'll be the last time the Vikings uh, beat the, the Vikings all-time are 7-17-1 and 0-11 and oh and on the road. Versus, we don't have great numbers in Indy. Uh, but the last time they beat him was 97. My man, Randall Cunningham, 13 for 27, 174 yards, four touchdowns with 174 yards, which is one of the funnier style. He also threw for three picks. We could probably do a podcast on just that stat line right now. Three of those touchdowns went to Chris Carter, but who cares? It's not 1997. There's a connection there, though, Cy. There's a connection we got Robert Smith on Skull Stories yesterday uh, for this week. Check that out when it airs on KFAN on Thursday night. But he ran for 160 yards the last time the Colts uh, were defeated by the Vikings. And guess what? He's calling this game in the booth for Fox. Oh, that's fun. I saw that somewhere. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of hate the fact that the Colts lost. You know, I'm not trying to be a, like live in concern or worry. We got to go out. If, if you want to be a good football team, you got to be a good football team and you have to beat good football teams and you have to beat football teams who want to win and are in dire situations. But, you know, if the Colts get a win against the Jaguars, they're probably feeling pretty good. And now these are two teams that I think a lot of people think have potential in this season and they're both staring 0-2 in the face if they don't get a win this week. And that's, you know, when you look at the statistics over the course of NFL history, there's not a lot of 0-2 teams that run the distance. So this is uh, this is a big, big game 
with a with an odd amount of pressure for week two. Agreed. And I think, you know, the thing about Indy is they're looking at it saying, cool, we get to go home. We're going to play home field advantage. We'll have some fans in the stands. We should be able to get right with everything else that happened this past week against Minshew Mania. I think for the Viking side, knowing what just happened against Green Bay and seeing a quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers and again, going up against a guy like Phillip Rivers who's going to want to sling it, like you definitely have the ability to get back on the horse against this team as long as you can right some of the wrongs that you had. You know, a lot of the criticism came towards whether it was the the pressure off the defensive line on the Viking side or just trying to get in the face of Aaron Rodgers regardless. That did not happen. That is something that you have to do against Phillip. And we saw last year, if you can do that against Phillip Rivers, you will force him to make mistakes, whether it's sacks or picks or even fumbles. Um, those are some huge moments. And I think if if the coaching staff from the beginning has said, we need to be able to get a better pass rush, do some better coverage and, and deep down the field, you're going to have the prime opportunity once again here and see if you can fix what you didn't do in week one against the Green Bay Packers. And if you don't think that Phillip Rivers, an experienced quarterback, isn't going to try to do a lot of the things that are, you know, attack the edges and then make good throws. I mean, he's, I've said this, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. To me, he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks to play in this league in the last 30 years. And he he's going to absolutely come ready. Absolutely. And I think one of the other key matchups in this game is the offensive line for the Colts. It is a strong offensive line led by a first-round draft pick in Quentin Nelson, and the Vikings are going to have to find a way to get a pass rush on Phillip Rivers, something that we said they struggled with last week. If there is no pass rush, it's going to be a, a pretty frustrating game to watch again, I think. I mean, they hit, the, the, the Indio line, despite that loss to Jacksonville, gives up only six pressures on 50 dropbacks. Rivers hits nine different receivers for 363 yards. I, I, yeah, if, if you don't – and I, I saw a statistic somewhere, you know, maybe it was Charge. Maybe I saw Charge do this, or maybe it was Arif Hassan, that the Vikings had one of the higher blitz – did you guys see that? One of the higher blitz rates in week one compared to around the league, bringing Anthony Barr, bringing other guys. So, I, you know, they obviously tried to get creative, and uh, I think they're, we're obviously going to have to again because if you – Phillip Rivers as opposed to Aaron Rodgers, he's not the same mobile guy. But if you just let him sit back there, uh, that, that's going to be a tough situation. But Indy put a lot of effort into that offensive line, and it's it's it really shows. And I think the thing for Indy that's going to be interesting is, yeah, they got to protect Phillip, but everyone was assuming, given the offensive line that they had, that they were going to be a bunch of road graders and try to control the clock. Well, week one, they lost their starting running back, Marlon Mack, to a torn Achilles. And you had rookie Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin and then veteran Naheem Hines come in, and they had to try to, to, to fit the bill. But they ended up going for not only 50 rushing yards on 16 attempts, but they had another 112 yards through the air. And I think if, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, yeah, they, they're not necessarily the superstar running backs that you would think, but you look at that number there with the 112 yards on 14 receptions and a receiving touchdown, that is what I think they're going to try to do. They're going to try to protect Phillip, let those guys get out in open space and try to make us run. And so, again, that's where the pass rush and whether it's blitzing or whatever else is going to happen, 
like everyone with man-to-man coverage especially is going to have to stick to their guys and and disrupt what they want to do. Otherwise, that offensive line has a chance to really make our, our defense uh, miserable for the entire game. You know, and if you, if you flip that, uh, you know, you talk about our line needing to keep Kirk and Dalvin clean. I mean, Indy sacked Minshew four times in week one. Uh, Danico Autry has two of those. Uh, they're going to get after the quarterback. So kind of the two things that a lot of people believe the team struggled with. And I always say, you know, I think some people look at that and they go, oh, no, you know, we didn't get pressure week one and we gave up a lot of pressure. And now we're playing another team that doesn't give up pressure and gets a bunch of pressure. I, I, that's the sort of thing I want. I I don't want to see – I'm never impressed when a quarterback plays like absolute garbage against an elite team and then goes and throws for 380 yards against a terrible team and you go, look at that, he turned it around. No. To to show the turnaround, I want to see that that would be the the number one thing as a Viking fan that you could hope for. If the Vikings go in this week and they keep pressure out of Kirk's face, they keep Dalvin clean, and they get to Phillip a few times, then that's when you truly go, okay, now I can really take a breath about week one. I can really keep walking forward. So to me, I would rather play a team that's good at the things that we struggled against in week two than go out and get a team that feels like a little bit more of a layup. Yeah, I get that, Si. I totally get that. And and this is a good Colts team. I'm going to just reiterate that. They are a good team. They've done really well in the draft. Frank Reich believed that Phillip Rivers was the only missing piece to the to the puzzle for a Super Bowl for this Colts team. I was shocked when they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. So uh, there is another fun matchup to watch that I want to bring up, and that's Xavier Rhodes, the longtime Vikings corner. We're, yeah, we're going to get there, but go ahead. Lead right into it. He's going up against Adam Thielen, the man that he practiced against. Literally, I saw them practice against hundreds and hundreds of times uh, and made Thielen the player who he is today according to Adam Thielen in his Wednesday press conference. I, you know, and I thought that was great to see because I, I'm a big Xavier Rhodes fan. And I, you know, I feel like this podcast is now just me repeating themes. It's really hard to be an elite man-to-man cover corner for a really, really, really long time in this league. And he was. And he was the anchor to this defense. And he made things a lot easier as he chased some of the best wide receivers of the last decade around the field and shut them down. And it'll be really interesting to see what he looks like in his own scheme. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see how he plays. And, and I, I, I'll maintain being a fan. And I, I think you're exactly right. It's it was seeing Adam say that was was such a testament to who Xavier was with this team, and it'll just be fun to to watch him out there. Now, having said that, I hope Adam Thielen puts about six touchdowns right on his head. I think that would be a lot of fun. But it, it's really, really going to be interesting and fun to see Xavier Rhodes on Sunday. He exuded confidence, and like you said, he was very much a shutdown, and he was known throughout the league for being that guy. And that is one of those parts for this defense that both teams are now going through a little bit of a youth movement, and they're trying to 
kind of rekindle that magic a little bit and find who's going to be the next Xavier Rhodes. And for a guy like Xavier being an Indy, yeah, he's got experience. There's a couple of uh, former Vikings defensive coaches there in Indy, which made it very much easy for him to to walk in the door and and, and be a part of it. But I think for a guy like Xavier, there's a there's probably uh, some personal pride on the line here and knowing that it's going to be Adam and Tajay and even BC and, and Justin now. Those guys going out on that field and and going up against not only Xavier but Rocky Sin and Malik Hooker and Carl Willis, those four guys going against each other over and over again this weekend, I think there's going to be a lot of pride on the line since both teams uh, didn't necessarily get to show their best effort during their week one matchup. Uh, you know, the last thing I will say, and, and, and this is when we're talking about players and matchups, to me, a guy who could really be an X factor and a guy that if you're, if you're game planning defensively, I, that DeForest Buckner trade, when they already had a front that I, a front seven that I thought was, was very, very good. Uh, I, if we don't hear DeForest Buckner's name very often on Sunday, I think when we look up at the scoreboard, we're going to be very happy. Yeah, he was the guy who killed us in our final game last year against the 49ers. He was the pressure. He was – Kirk Cousins spoke about him this week, early in the week. He said, if if I, if I don't see DeForest Buckner, I think we're going to have a pretty good game. And, and you have Justin Houston, a veteran, coming from the other side who's a big money pass rusher for, for years in this league. So And the other, the other player who's all over the field is uh, Leonard, the linebacker. I mean, a young linebacker – one of the best linebackers um, in the league as a rookie last year. He is a an elite player at the position. So those are the three guys that I, that I have my eye on when it comes to the the Vikings attacking this Colts defense. Well, let's just let's you know. Uh, given what happened last week, I think we could go a lot of different directions. But we're about to have KJ uh, Osborne on here with Chris with your interview with him, which we're all looking forward to. But before we do that, let's just let's just go around the virtual room here. And if you had to hone in on one thing, if you could pick one thing to see next Sunday, given what you saw the previous Sunday, where where are you putting all your mental hopes and efforts? Well, last week I said start fast, and the Vikings started fast and didn't win. So I'm going to say offensive. How funny would it be, Jay, if he went start slow? (laughs) I'm going to flip it on its head. I think we should start slow. A few few big open gaping holes where the guy trips. Let's really start slow and see if we can turn this thing on its head. I want to see running game, and I want to see passing game. I don't need a deep ball. I, I just want to see consistent movement forward for this Vikings offense. I think there are too many weapons who literally did not even get involved in the game last week. I want to see Tajay Sharp catch a pass. I want to see Irv Smith Jr. get hit on a cross route down the field on a play action. I want to see these playmakers like have a game. I, I'm, I'm very excited about this Vikings offense. For me, it's what we just talked about. It's the Vikings offensive line versus that pass rush on the front end. Like you said, DeForest Buckner last year, you know, he was given everybody nightmares, especially walking out of that game. I think everyone was looking at it saying, what just happened? And when he got traded to Indy and I saw it was week two on our schedule, I'm like, oh, good, here we go. You get another taste. I, I think given 
what happened against Green Bay and seeing some of the coverage misses, the the safety that happened, and those kind of mistakes, and then hearing the coaches say, hey, we need to clean that up. Well, guess what? You're going to get a healthy dose of it this week when you get that Justin Houston, Buckner, Grover Stewart, and Danico Autry. If, if they are blitzing and trying to put that pressure, and here's the thing, why wouldn't they at this point if they saw it worked for Green Bay? They're going to try it again, and I think that might mean – if you give Kirk enough time, we're going to be hitting some screens and some short passes in order to get people in open field and trying to make Xavier Rhodes and some of that secondary miss. I'm going to go a little different direction with it here. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little unfair with my expectations because I think there's a lot of really fair expectations to be had here going into next week. I, and by the way, this is just the dumb fan in me. This is, this is where you guys, as guys who are in the building, who work for Vikings.com, go, Cy, I need you to pump your brakes. You sound like a real dummy right now. But often the thing with football, you, you, and you hear coaches say this over and over and over and over again, is you don't need guys to play hero ball. Do your job. Everybody needs to do their job. Do their job. Stick to your assignment. If everybody does their job, sticks to their assignment, good things happen, right? On Sunday, I kept waiting for someone to step above their assignment. You know, and, and I think there were, you know, a lot of missed tackles, things like there were a lot of examples of people not doing that. But as a Kirk fan, what I want to see if things snowball the wrong way this week, I want to see him step into some pressure and deliver a dart in an important moment. I, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see someone overcome. Uh, the frustrations of a negative start if it happens. That's Again, that's the dumb fan in me. That's the guy who doesn't spend 15 hours a day on the All-22, so I'm sure I will get torn apart for that. To me, this is a, I, I, I still maintain that I believe we're going to look back at the season and go, damn, that was a year by Kirk. Look at him. Look, look at what he did this year. And, you know, even though he only had five chances in the first half to throw the football uh, – that's what I want to see. I want to see when the game is tough. I want to see the dude who delivered that dart in New Orleans. I, I want to see him early in this game. I want to see Kirk come out early and just rip it. I think that was part of the feeling at the front end of the game on Sunday was that they did drive down the field. They did have a march. They did look clean and they did look good. And then from that point forward, they literally the entire first half, I think they had the ball for a little over six minutes. So, yeah, if, if you can put an offense on the field and sustain a drive versus just trying to hit home runs, home runs are great if you're putting up touchdown after touchdown, but you have to be able to control the clock in order to give your defense some time to, to collect themselves versus running back out on the field every two minutes. So I think if offensively, same thing, that comes down for me, that offensive line being able to control and keep Delvin and Kirk clean while simultaneously just methodically being able to move down the field and flip that time of possession. I mean, that th that table was was completely inclined for the entire game, and at the end, you're running uphill just to try to get even. I, I That is what I'm hoping for, and that is what I want to see. Vikings Connected is a lighthearted look at the Vikings players and organization through social media, as well as a platform to showcase the big-time personalities on the team. Segments include fan favorites such as Skull, LOL, Purple Pups, and The Hot Dish, plus new additions like History Lessons featuring comedian 
and diehard Vikings fan, Cy Amundsen. Returning for a seventh season, our co-hosts Aaron Newberg and Chris Hockey from KFAN and the wildly successful, highly touted Power Trip Morning Show. Catch this thing weekly, KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North, or via the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Information, Vikings.com slash connected. Uh, let's get out of uh, sigh insane ramble mode and you guys actually doing your job mode and let's get to a part of the show we're all excited for kj osborne uh the young return man wide receiver was kind enough to join chris corso as a part of today's program uh he's a guy that i think a lot you know training camp might not have been open to the public, but the public sure heard about KJ Osborne in training camp. I think a lot of us are really excited about it. And uh, Chris, we'll let your recorded self take that away. KJ Osborne, the wide receiver out of the University of Miami, joins the show. We were talking a little bit before. The last time I talked to you was draft day, and you were, you were pretty excited being a fifth-round selection for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm still living it up. This has been great. So a couple months later, you make the roster, and Rick Spielman says in training camp, there's a good chance you win the punt return and kick return job, and that's exactly what happened, and you did it week one against the Green Bay Packers. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to get some more opportunities. What do you bring to that side of the field on special teams when it comes to returning kicks, returning punts, what, what kind of abilities do you have to, to keep that job for the rest of the season? I feel like I bring, you know, I can secure the catch, first of all. You know, uh, I take a lot of pride in, you know, the team trusts me to be out there. I'm the first person to touch the ball, kick return, punt return. That's something I take a lot of pride in. Um, and I can be a spark play, you know, with no fans. Um, you know, I can create a big play, you know, for our team, putting our offense in great field position, um, rather than be kick return, punt return, and uh, getting a chance to score a touchdown. So it's something I take a lot of pride in. So you won the special teams job, as we said, but you're also a big-bodied wide receiver who had a huge season at the University of Miami last year. What do you bring to that side of the ball? I feel like I'm a smart player, um, very versatile. Um, I can play inside, I can play outside, uh, whether it be in our offense, X, Z, F. Um, a guy that you know can, can go in at, at any position, um, and I'm always ready. So uh, I feel like very versatile, I can stretch the field. A lot of new players in the Vikings wide receiver room, and it seems like you guys have a tight-knit group, uh, Justin Jefferson being a, a vocal rookie and, and yourself as well. What's the vibe like in that wide receiver room so far? Oh, it's great, man. It's great. It's a, it's a lot of smiles, laughing. Obviously, you know, when it's time for business, you know, we're going, but um, it's great. I mean, I think we got a, a great group of vets and, and Adam and Tajay, you know, uh, BC got a year under him, and uh, even Beebs, you know, guys, you know, uh, I ask those guys questions all the time. Uh, just being able to watch Adam go to work every day, being able to ask him questions. Um, we have a, a fantastic coach. Um, so like I said, it's a lot of fun, um, definitely a lot of learning, and uh, I'm getting better every day for sure. Yeah, BC Johnson told us a few weeks ago that you have just been asking awesome questions, and, and he's the guy who, like, really took pride in going home every night, learning the playbook. That's how he made the roster. What has it been like learning an NFL playbook compared to uh, being a college athlete? Uh, for myself, uh, it wasn't too difficult as far as the concepts. It's the the detail of the play. If I'm a, I'm a straight line guy, if you tell me a 12 yard curl, I'm gonna run you a 12 yard curl. But then as you kind of get into it, you know they want you at a spot or they want you, you know, 
just something where you have to, you know, take the reps to do it. So um, just going through training camp, you know, getting those, you know, mistakes out or, you know, uh, going through those reps, um, it was really good for me. Um, and again, I'm, I'm still learning every day, um, preparing every day, asking questions. So um, I can feel myself learning and feel myself getting better. So um, I love that. The offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak, has been doing this for like 25 years. He's a calming presence. Uh, what's it been like learning his offense this year? It's been great. Um, coach Coos, I feel like, is a, is a great coach. Um, you know, he, he demands a lot from us every day, makes it, makes it hard on ourselves. Um, I, I feel like it's great. You know, he's a, a, a mastermind. You know, he's super smart, which is, which, is, uh, which is really cool to see. You know, again, a guy I can ask questions and things like that. Uh, he moves us around, so it's been fun. At the University of Miami last year, you had five touchdowns, over 500 yards. But I want to go back a little bit. A lot of people don't realize you were at the University of Buffalo and you had a monster junior season for over like 800 yards, seven touchdowns. What kind of played into your decision to transfer over to Miami and, and now you're an NFL player? Being able to go play on a big time stage, you know, at the University of Miami, um, you know, just getting that exposure, playing in the ACC. Um, you know, my quarterback left Buffalo. I think that uh, that was a decision um, that I had to make. Um, but mostly, you know, just, just being able to play on a big-time stage, you know, to prove that, you know, I can play on, on, on the big-time stage. Also, off the field, you have a cool kind of story. Uh, you were like an all-honorable uh, mention when it comes to your, your smarts and having a high GPA. But you study criminal justice and you're pursuing a master's degree, I hear? Yes, sir. And what do you plan to do with that? Uh, right now, my plan is to be in like one of the services, like the FBI or Secret Service or something like that. Um, so that's that's what I'm pursuing. I'll finish that in the offseason. Dude, that's so awesome. You, you you rarely hear NFL players who are trying to go and, and work in the FBI someday. <laughs> it's definitely a cool profession. I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. Heading into week two, you play the Colts. And safe to say the Vikings offense isn't satisfied with the performance that was put out there week one. How do you think you can improve and, and kind of make your impact on the Vikings offense going forward? Uh, just being locked in and, and coming in and, you know, uh, like I said, being hard on ourselves, you know, focusing in on the details, you know, um, embracing my role and, and what can I do better? You know, rather that be punt return, kick return, making good decisions. Um, I feel like just, you know, embracing my role, you know, being prepared, you know, I can get it thrown in there any minute. Um, so just, uh, just locking down and, and laser focus. When you're in the huddle, what's it like to hear from Kirk Cousins? I know he has a, a cool kind of leadership factor. He, he, like, turns into a different person on game day is what I hear. Yeah, no, Kurt, Kurt's a great guy. Um, obviously, you know, from Michigan and things like that. But it, it feels great being in the huddle with him. You know, when I'm in the huddle in there, you know, with the ones and things like that, um, you know, at first you get a little little tingly, you know, like, you know, this is the NFL. But after a minute, you know, uh, it gets normal. But obviously a blessing and um, it's time to go to work. What are your expectations going forward? Oh, I'm 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 super excited. Um, again, I, I prepare like you know I get as many reps as Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm I'm ready. I'm prepared. You know, I'm I'm excited to get the ball in my hands. I only got one opportunity for punt return and uh, got a couple for kick return. But you know, I'm excited to get the ball in my hands. You know, uh, show people what I can do. Cordaro Patterson was the Vikings kick and punt returner for a long time here. I see a lot of similarities from like body size, speed, the things you can do on special teams. Are you, are you familiar with the with his game? I am. Um, I've, I've heard a couple of things about him uh, from Adam and the, and the things that he can do. Uh, obviously, you know, again, very fast, uh, taller, bigger dude. Uh, so definitely that's some, somebody that I've, that I've looked at as well as uh, uh, Cheryl's. Um, I've looked at him as well and um, I have some goals. Last question, are there any players around the NFL that, that you really look up to and try to model your game after? 
Oh man, it's a it's a couple. You know, I'm a as a, obviously I'm a receiver, so I'm a football freak. Uh, some of my favorites are um, Mari Cooper, Devontae Adams. I feel like he's really good at his craft. Um, Diggs and and Adam were were some were guys that you know I've always looked up to. Um, and that's why it's so great being able to, you know, now actually work with Adam and see him go to work every day. You know, so much respect for him. Um, Sammy Watkins is another guy, you know, um, I look at in, uh, in, in Jarvis Landry. Those kind of guys, um, for me, off the top of my head, you know, guys I, I really look at studying the offseason. Having a relationship with Adam now is, is, is awesome. I love how many times you mentioned Adam because it's just amazing to see the player he's become from where he started in, in 2013. So uh, great aspirations for you and wish you the best of luck this year and, and go beat the Colts. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Great job there, Chris, as always with KJ Osborne. Hey, real quick note before we close the show down here and get to all the regular announcements. One other quick announcement. Uh, if you want an inside look into U.S. Bank Stadium on game day, I know you can't be there, but uh, as soon as we're back home, tune into Vikings pregame all access for an exclusive live streamed pregame show providing behind the scenes content prior to all Viking home games this year. Uh, Vikings pregame all access airs at 11 a.m. on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, Vikings Connected. Uh, TV and social media platforms. It's, you know, it's kind of the best way you can feel like you're at the stadium when you are not at the stadium. Uh, as always, guys, check out everything we do on vikings.com, on all of our social media platforms, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all over the place. Tune in, as Chris mentioned, to Skull Stories this Thursday night with Mark Rosen and uh, Vikings color analyst Pete Bursich. The guest is Robert Smith, who is, uh, like Chris mentioned, getting the opportunity to be on the call this week on television. Uh, cue up. He's excited about it. At 6.30 p.m. on KFAN. Also, check out our newest show, Vikings Vantage, this Friday, 6.30 p.m. on KFAM 100.3. Gabe Henderson, Chris Corso, and a host of others will be giving you the latest details on everything happening right up to the kickoff this weekend. Check it out live, or you can download it on our podcast app. Um, all the pressers are on the website and on and on and on week two time. We covered the Packers. It's time to look forward to the Colts. Let's get this thing heading the right direction. Thank you guys so much for listening and, uh, we will see everybody next week.